This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father Brian Logger talks about mental prayer. What is mental prayer? How can we better practice mental prayer? Well, let's find out. Father Brian is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Kelly Roper. Our next great guest is Father Brian Logger, and uh, he's going to be talking. You know, our theme this week is holiness is not for wimps. His theme is mental prayer is not for wimps. So it's going to be an exciting, exciting talk. Thank you for coming, Father. Ah, thanks for having me. Uh, excellent. We know that all good things begin with prayer. So would you uh, lead us in a prayer for this next hour? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, we give you thanks and praise for who you are and for also what you have done for us and for creating us and giving this wonderful life and giving us this beautiful radio station to reach the ends of the diocese, uh, to spread your word, to spread your love, to spread your mercy uh, wherever uh, these airwaves go and wherever people's ears hear them. We pray, Lord, that your work always be done and that we may be a part of that work and that your will may be fulfilled in us. And we pray these things and ask intercession of our Blessed Mother as we say, Hail Mary. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Welcome, hey. Father. Good morning. So good to see, good you, see again. you again. We're so always so so blessed when you're when you're in the studio. So so thank you for coming. By way of introduction, Father Brian Logger grew up on the farm in Angeles, Kansas. After college and a short stint as a focused missionary, with my daughter, by the way, um, he entered the seminary. Father Brian was ordained in 2012 and has ministered in nine parishes before becoming the pastor of Sacred Heart Parish in Colby. All right, so now we are going to talk with Father Brian Logger, talk about mental prayer is not for wimps. So so get us rolling here. <laughs> oh, I probably won't do it justice, but that's okay. We uh, During Lent this year in our parish, we had a men's uh, Bible study, and we went through uh, Dan, Bur- Dan Burke's book, Into the Deep. So uh it's a phenomenal book. It's very easy to read. Great insights on you know, how to um, do mental prayer and how to enter into that. Yeah. Um, but we watched videos uh, with Dan Burke, uh, 15, 20, 30-minute videos, then we had discussion afterwards. And so this, this is kind of coming out of that. And I'm not going to, like I said, not going to do as good as Dan Burke can. But uh, uh, You're going to do great. I'm excited. But I, <laughs> but I want to... It, it is important. It's an important topic, not one that I'm the best at, but it's... If we really want to go deeper into our faith, mental prayer is the essential uh, way to do that. So, um, you know, when, when, when we began to prayer, I know, Kelly, you probably did the same thing. We were taught the vocal prayers, right? The Hail Marys, the Glory Bees, the Our Fathers. And they're, they're great prayers. I even remember in CCD, throughout, throughout the years, CCD, PSR, whatever, whatever the parish calls it. Um, but our teacher would often have a, a poster board. And all the prayers that we were going to learn, our names by it now, given there's only four kids in my class in, in, <laughs> in CCD because we were small. Yeah. Um, but as we learned to prayer, we'd get a sticker, you know. And uh, so she would mark it off. We, we'd we'd ha- take time at the end of class to recite the prayer that we were supposed to be learning. And, and as kids, uh, that was a great way to begin to, prayer, mm-hmm. to pray, to have these memorized prayers that we could go to um, that – 
we ought to remember for the rest of our life. And, yeah. and I even tell people, like, one of those prayers that ought to be memorized, uh, we should know as well as in our Father, Hail Mary's glory and her glory be is our act of contrition. Because yeah. if we're dying, if we're in a car wreck or something and we're dying and a priest can't get to us, a faithfully said act of contrition mm-hmm. um, can forgive sins yeah. if, if a priest can't get to us. So, um, so we need to we need to have that memorized. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I know there's people that come to confession that don't have a memorized one that make one up. And I'm just like, I've been I've been in tough situations where my own words don't even come to mind. Yeah. And it's only the rote prayers that come to mind. And so it's so important to have to have a. Um, Memorized act of contrition. Yeah. Okay, I'll yeah. get I'll get off my. No, I think stool I think that's a that's there. a really good point because it is true that you know when we're in tough situations, our mind just kind of goes blank. But it's those yes. things that we said yes. routinely over and over again yes. that can come to mind. I think it's really important. Yeah, you know, I know in our confessional, and you know, because I come in from Kansas City, they have it like taped to the the kneeler, so it's yeah. really easy. But but you don't memorize it right. and have that rote memory going right. on. Yeah. And as I as I became a priest and would hear confessions, I didn't know there were so many different versions yeah. <laughs> you know i learned yeah. the one that i learned <laughs> yeah. but yeah. my goodness there are a ton of different versions out yeah. there and and uh, you know as i i get to uh teach the a act of contrition so i'm trying to in the parishes i go to i try to get one so that everybody <laughs> everybody gets to know it yeah. and 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 does it that way so that everybody kind of is on the same page it's just mm-hmm. good that that way, if we ever are together and we pray an act of contrition together, we all have the same one. So yeah, yeah. It just works that way. But, um, you know, and when we get older, after, after knowing all these rote prayers, because I remember, you know, we learned the act of charity, the act of hope, the act of faith, which are phenomenal prayers. I don't know them by heart anymore. Mm. You know, I stopped saying them. You know, mm-hmm. after I didn't wouldn't get my star yeah. or my piece of candy or whatever yeah. it was we got, uh, but I, I just don't remember anymore. So and I so I have to look them up. But uh, just all those memorized prayers, great little things. Um, but I but I also remember my older brother, he his his oldest son, when he was I don't know third or fourth grader was learning the Saint Michael prayer, and so after supper. They would do the same thing. They would stop. They would in in supper with saying the prayer that he was supposed to be learning, which was the Saint Michael prayer at this time. And his sister was three years old, yeah. and uh, she learned it because they were sitting at table teaching their older son how to say it. And she actually learned it faster <laughs> than their older son. And so as as he was learning it, she could say it, and she could say it by heart. And so just yeah. these prayers as a family sitting around the table. And this is this is how I learned my prayers. Was we would do the same thing. Uh, Sundays or other days, we would go around the table at the end of at the end of supper, and uh, and and mom or dad would point at us and say, "What prayer are you supposed to be learning?" Okay, let's go through it. Won't you say it? Yeah. That's that's how we did it. Wow. Um, and uh, we were, we were blessed to be able to do that. So, yeah. um, and that's what my older brother did, and that's that's how that's how she learned it. There, gosh, their oldest son's a sophomore in high school now, so that was years ago. But yeah. but it's, yeah. it's something that I remember, and it's just a way for. Families don't eat together enough, but it's a great way for families to get together and to learn how to pray together and to pass on the faith. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, and what a beautiful way to really expose everybody to all the prayers, right? Because yes. everybody's working on an yes. individual one, and they get to hear all of them, mm-hmm. right? So so they're probably memorizing them right along with everybody Especially else. Especially when you have a big family. Yeah. I mean, there's seven yeah. of us in my yeah. family. Yeah. So yeah. Um, as the older ones were learning it, us younger ones were learning it at the same time, Yeah, yeah. Uh, whether we knew it or not. So. Yeah. Mental prayer is not for wimps. Um, haven't gotten there yet, but, uh, you know, really talking about, you know, these, these memorized prayers and how important they are as well to, yes. to really just have yes. them wrote. And, and part, of our, part of mental prayer could even be going word by word through yeah. those prayers. Oh, good. Because, yeah. uh, because even when we're saying the rosary, the point of the rosary is not to just complete the prayers. Yeah. The point of the rosary is for us to meditate upon the words that are in the prayers, but also upon the mysteries that we are meditating upon to yeah. be more united to Christ in, in the midst of those. Yeah. And when I get to that point, that's the whole point of mental prayer yeah. is to be united to Christ more and more each yeah. and every day. So oh, I love that. Love it. All right. So where are we going next? Yes. Yeah, so uh, as little kids, we're learning rote prayers. Um, but, you know, our bodies mature, right? And we mature as individuals. But many times, most a lot of Catholics, their prayer life doesn't mature. Have mm-hmm. you ever thought about that before mm-hmm. or noticed that? Mm-hmm. Um, it stays at a simple Hail Mary, Our Father, praying when we need something, praying when we're in trouble, uh, and then we're mad at God because he doesn't give us <laughs> what we want, right? Yeah. And so our faith doesn't mature with yeah. our body, with our emotions, with our, with our, with our psyche. And so, and so uh, we have to also – our prayer also – has to do that well and, and as well. And so sometimes um, the way in which we don't mature is kind of a way for us to kind of keep God at arm's length. I think, it, I think part of the reason we don't pray as much as we ought is because in a deep way we know that God is going to ask something great of us. And he's going to ask for us to change the way that we are living our life. And we kind of want to keep God at arm's length so we don't have to. We really like the comfort that we are in. We really like that Mass on Sunday is enough, and uh, um, saying my Hail Mary in the morning is enough. Uh, but I really don't want to change and actually give more of who I am to God. And so I, it's a way for us to just kind of uh, keep keep God uh, at arm's length. Um, but then once again, we kind of get angry when we don't get what we want, and we kind of keep him as we kind of keep God as kind of just this gift giver, um, or this. Sometimes maybe not as so kind a term. We kind of keep them as a sugar daddy. Mm. Uh, as mm. Just give me what I want. You know, just yeah. uh, uh, an image kind of that comes to mind is I remember my grandpa sitting on a chair in our house. He just, he came over to get something from dad. They were, they farmed together and he was sitting in the house just talking. And my little brother comes in and sees grandpa. He knew that grandpa always kept gum in his shirt pocket. Climbs on Grandpa's lap, not to say hi to Grandpa, but he started reaching oh. into his pocket for the gum. Well, that went over well, didn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> well, of course, it's Grandpa, so yeah. he takes it and gives it to him. Gives it to him, yeah. But, uh, but that's how we treat God. You know, we yeah. climb into his lap just to get what we want and yeah. not, not to actually just enjoy his company. Yeah. And not just to, not just to be with him. And so, so I guess that leads us in, what, it, what is actual prayer? Is prayer just, uh, just saying the rote prayers that we always know, or is it, or is it something something deeper. You know, the catechism is divided into four parts. The last part is all about prayer. And if you've never read any part of the catechism, at least go read this part. This part is so beautiful, and it's such a teaching on prayer and our relationship with God. I forget the guy that is attributed to writing the majority of this part of the catechism, but the story that I remember is that he was writing this in a bunker as his city was being bombed. Mm. Um, do you know that story? 
I think I do, I but you're going to have to remind me. I can't remember, who the, pri- I, yeah, I can't remember I who the priest was. Yeah. And I just heard it recently. I just yeah. couldn't remember. Yeah. And so it's this guy who's writing this, uh, this beautiful, beautiful section on prayer for the catechism in the midst of tremendous sorrow and yeah. tremendous, uh, tremendous trials. And so, um, so what is prayer? The church professes, uh, the, here's the section that begins uh, on prayer in the catechism. Great is the mystery of faith. The church professes this mystery in the Apostles' Creed and celebrates it in the sacramental liturgy so that the life of the faithful may be conformed to Christ and the Holy Spirit to the glory of God the Father. This mystery then requires that the faithful believe in it, that they celebrate it, and that they live from it in a vital and personal relationship with the living and true God. This relationship is prayer. Mm. So ultimately what is prayer is relationship with God. And we can't have a relationship with someone that we don't know. We can't have a relationship with someone that we don't talk to. And so in order for us to build that relationship with God, to to say that we have a relationship with God, we have to talk to him. We have to pray. Uh, St. Therese of Lisieux, there's a very famous quote from St. Therese of Lisieux. For me, prayer is a surge of the heart. It is a simple look turned toward heaven. It is a cry of recognition and of love, embracing both trial and joy. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's, it's just an act of the heart, surging up, going out in love to God. Uh, when, when I do baptisms, kind of the way that I think about this, God calls us to be childlike, not childish. Mm-hmm. And to be a child is like, like my brother who climbed up in my grandpa's lap is just to sit in the lap of, of our parents or mm-hmm. our grandparents just to enjoy their company. Little children, uh, you have grandkids, your little children crawl up into your lap just to be close to you. They don't want to talk to you necessarily. They just want to be hugged. Mm -hmm. They just want to be loved on. um, And and they just want to be close. And that's what our relationship with God ought to look like. So when we go to prayer, we can even imagine ourselves just crawling up into God's lap and just sitting in in his lap and, and just looking up into his eyes. Yeah. So yeah. mm-hmm. there's a great quote from uh, the Curie de Ars, uh, St. John Vianney. He saw this old farmer in the church sitting there staring at the tabernacle. And St. John Vianney was like, well, what is this guy doing? Didn't see his lips moving. Didn't see him doing anything. And so he went and asked him. And he asked the old farmer, he said, what are you doing? And the farmer said, he looks at me and I look at him. Mm-hmm. And prayer is as simple as that. Yeah, It's also as difficult as that because we have to be, be willing to – let go of all the things that are going on in our life and all the stress and all the anxiety and all the things that we are experiencing in our life. We have to be willing to let it go and ultimately give it to God and just look at him, Mm. just look at him. Mm. I I tell my, my, the mothers in my parish, especially of newborns when they're feeding their child, especially after the child is baptized, what a great act of adoration because that child is sinless, right? Mm. When they're holding their child and they're feeding their child, yeah. what great act of what greater act of adoration is there than to stare at that child mm. that has been that has been baptized that is without sin, that is as close to God as it will ever be, yeah. and you are inches away from <laughs> inches away from them, mm. um, and eventually they'll cry and have a dirty diaper and stuff like that. But but it's such a beautiful beautiful gift. Yeah. And that's what God wants from us, yeah. for us to sit in his lap, for us to be held by him and to be fed by him. 
and just to have that closeness, that intimacy, that um, that ultimately that union with Him in that moment where where we can just be there with Him. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful, and you know, I I, I remember I, I had not heard that that uh, quote from the Curie of ours. I think you you find that you know. In adoration, yes. you know, in, in yeah. Eucharistic adoration. I know I've heard from people that go, like, to the Steubenville conferences where they have the huge monsters, mm-hmm. right, that they're going up and down aisles, you know, um, that, that same sentiment, you know, he's looking at me, I'm looking at him. Yeah. And, and it really is is moving to so many of the young people to, to have that yeah. there. Yeah. I struggle with those big conferences of adoration. This is just me because it's so loud. Because oh, <laughs> they always okay. play music, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so – because it's young people and they're trying to yeah. uh, really encourage them in the faith. But for me, I, I love the, I love the silence. And yeah. uh, in, in our church this time of year when the heater is turned off and the air conditioner is not turned on yet, like it's so quiet during adoration. Yeah. Um, and, and you can hear all the creakings of the church. Uh, when I was in Plainville, I started adora- tw- started 24-hour adoration there one day a week. And that was one of the first things that people who had never done a holy hour in the middle of the night before, had never really been in the church in the middle of the night before, they, that was the first thing they noticed was, holy cow, our church has so many creaks. <laughs> and when the wind would pick up, uh, the roof would, would sounded like it was coming off. Yeah. Uh, it, would, it would move a little bit and it would adjust a little bit as, as the wood in it yeah. and, and, and just the noises there. And, and you, Eventually, you get used to it. Yeah. But every time, every place I've been in that I've started adoration, um, the people are always grateful. At yeah. first, they're like, "How am I going to do this?" After about a year, they're just like, "What would I do without it? Yeah. What would I do without that hour?" Yeah. And like you said, it's just that moment to be face to face with God. Yeah. And uh, to pour our hearts out to Him, or even fall asleep in His presence, especially if we're in the middle of the night. Sometimes that happens. Yeah. To fall asleep in, in his presence, to fall asleep in his arms. Yeah. What better place to be? Yeah. Now, now, I'm not encouraging falling asleep in prayer. Don't get me wrong yeah. here. But sometimes it happens. We're just exhausted, yeah. and that's all we can give. So, yeah. You know, I don't like that about myself, but, but often when you, you, know, you slow down, at least yeah. for me, slow down. You know, it's late at night quiet, peaceful, mm-hmm. you know, and, and all of a sudden I find out, gosh, I'm falling asleep. You know, right. it, it's, you know, I don't like that part of it. I, you know, it's not what I want. My husband says, you know, you know, my husband It's like, sit, just kneel, Kelly, just kneel. You know, I'm like, Bob, I can't kneel for an hour. I'm sorry. I can't right. do it. But he's like, just kneel. You'll, you'll stay awake. Just kneel. I don't know if right. I would, but, but, uh, you know, I, yeah, it just, it truly is such a peaceful place. Yeah. I often think, gosh, I could get a really good night's sleep if they just let me lay down on the pew and just just sleep. I bet I'd sleep better than I have in a long time. That's why we don't put those soft cushions in the pew so people don't lay down and fall asleep. Exactly, exactly. I want to stop, Father, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but nope. we're, but we're going to do some prayer here. But we know the Blessed Mother; she she comes through for us so often. When I was a convert, you know, or when I, before I was Catholic, because I am a convert. She had my back, and I didn't even know she had my back, you know? Right. And now I am so grateful for that because I go to her often. So so we're going to go to her right now. Father, would you lead us in a, you uh, a prayer? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 
Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry for banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us. And after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Amen. Father and Son of Amen. We need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. Mental prayer is not for wimps. We'll be right back. We're back on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture on Divine Mercy Radio. Mental prayer is not for wimps. Father Brian Logger. Kelly Roper conducts the interview. We also get to talk to great guests. That's Father Brian Logger right now. What a great guest he is. Talking about mental prayer is not for wimps. Um, you know, and and um, it's so true. So so we'll just continue sure. with that, Father. So the next part I want to go into a good portion of what the Catechism says about prayer Um it's, it's hard to just summarize what the Catechism says because it's already pretty succinct, and um, my words are not better than, than what are there. But uh, And I know many people out there are doing the Catechism in a year, so, yeah. the, so the parts that I'm reading will come in December probably uh, because you'll be starting the fifth month here uh, in a few days. But, um, but I want to go to Catechism 2559 through 2565. And I'm sorry that I'm going to read these, but it's important to read them because mm-hmm. they're... A, I was trying to go through and just kind of summarize them. And I was just like, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just, it's, it's, it's so good. Yeah. So I, I want to I share that and uh, get it recorded and put it on air and, and just for the people to hear because I think it is edifying to hear it as well. So uh, prayer is God's gift. Prayer is the raising of one's mind and heart to God or the requesting of good things from God. But when we pray, do we speak from the height of our pride and will or out of the depths of a humble and contrite heart? He who humbles himself will be exalted. Humility is the foundation of prayer. Only when we humbly acknowledge that we do not know how to pray as we ought are we ready to receive freely the gift of prayer. Man is a beggar before God. If you knew the gift of God, the wonder of prayer is revealed beside the well where we come seeking water. There, Christ comes to me, every human being. It is he who first seeks us and asks us for a drink. Mm-hmm. Jesus thirsts. His asking arises from the depths of God's desire for us. Whether we realize it or not, prayer is the encounter of God's thirst with ours. God thirsts that we may thirst for him. I'm going to pause there for a second. Mm. I was in spiritual direction last week and speaking with my spiritual director, something that he said to me, uh, I've just kind of been contemplating uh, since. He, ta- he talked, number one, about being a child of God. But he said, we're not just children of God. And it's not that God just loves us, but he delights in us. And I love that word delight because there is, there is this kind of innocence and this playfulness that comes with that word in which God delights and desires to see us and desires to be with us and desires for us to, to come to him. And, and, and so I just want to reiterate that to all of you, that God delights in you, that God loves you, not just loves you, but delights in you. He wants you and he desires you and, um, and wants, wants you, wants to be near you and wants you to be near him. 2561 in the Catechism, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Paradoxically, 
Our prayer of petition is response to the plea of the living God. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Prayer is the response of faith to the free promise of salvation and also a response of love to the thirst of the only Son of God. Mm. Prayer is covenant. This is, this is why I told you that I'm just reading them yeah, because they're it's just so beautiful. good. Yeah. 2562, where does prayer come from? Where the prayer is expressed in words or gestures is the whole man who prays. What does that mean, words or gestures? Um, when we sit, when we stand, when we kneel, when we lay prostrate, all of these are part of prayer. Mm-hmm. And they're all gestures in prayer. Uh, the, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever prayed prostrate, um, but, uh, but it's very humbling to lay yourself on the floor uh, before mm-hmm. our Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, every priest lays prostrate um, when they are ordained. Mm-hmm. And then again, every Good Friday when they, when they kneel before the crucifix, when we celebrate or uh, commemorate the death of Christ on Good Friday. Yeah. Um, yes. Beautiful. Where does prayer come from? Where the prayer is expressed in words or gestures is the whole man who prays. But in naming the source of prayer... Scripture speaks sometimes of the soul or the spirit, but most often of the heart, more than a thousand times. According to scriptures, it is the heart that prays. If our heart is far from God, the words of prayer are in vain. That's bold. The heart is the dwelling place where I am, where I live. According to the Semitic or biblical expression, the heart is the place to which I withdraw. The heart is our hidden center beyond the grasp of our reason and of others. Only the Spirit of God can fathom the human heart and know it fully. The heart is the place of decision, deeper than our psychic drives. It is the place of truth, where we choose life or death. It is the place of encounter, because as image of God we live in a relation. It is the place of covenant. Mm. Christian prayer is a covenant relationship between God and man in Christ. It is the action of God and of man, springing forth from both the Holy Spirit and ourselves wholly directed to the Father in union with the human will of the Son of God made man. And finally, prayer is communion. In the New Covenant, prayer is the living relationship of the children of God with their Father, who is good beyond measure, with His Son, Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit. The grace of the kingdom is the union of the entire holy and royal trinity with the whole human spirit. Thus, the life of prayer is the habit of being in the presence of the thrice holy God and in communion with him. This communion of life is always possible because through baptism, we have already been united with Christ. Prayer is Christian insofar as it is communion with with Christ and extends throughout the church, which is his body. Its dimensions are those of Christ's love. Mm. Wow. Wow, beautiful. So tell us again where in the catechism they can yes. find that because it's probably too much for them to grasp all yes. at once. 2559 through 2565. At least I know it is for me, right? It's yes. a lot. It's yes. a lot. Yeah. Yes. Talking with Father Brian Logger. So, so Father, what else are we, we going to talk about? Yeah, I think it's important to, uh, when we talk about mental prayer, we talk about meditation. And I think it's important for us to stress that Eastern meditation is not Christian Catholic meditation. Mm. There's a big difference. Uh, Eastern meditation oftentimes is taking you to nothing, uh, nothingness of some sort, mm. uh, enlightenment of some sort. Yeah, just empty um, your mind, emptying, right? Let anything empty. come in. Yes, yeah. yes. It's dangerous. And the yeah. church has said that over and over yeah. and over, and, and we need to stay away from it. Yeah. Um, anything that speaks of anything like that. Yeah. 
Christian meditation is about filling, right, mm-hmm. and, and uniting and being filled with Christ and uniting ourselves to Christ. And we can't even do that union by ourselves. It's about humbling ourselves to allow Christ to take us into himself. So it's similar to communion. When we receive communion, yes, we take the host into ourselves, but actually the the lesser becomes the greater. And so we become God in that moment. We become Christ in that moment moment and fulfill who we are in that – who we are because of our baptism in that moment. And so that's what meditation – that's what uh, Christian – mental prayer is all about. It's about that union with God, not an emptying, not an Eastern mysticism, an Eastern meditation, but a Christian, which is ancient, um, yeah. goes back to the beginning, uh, even back to uh, Jew- uh, Judaism a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's an ancient uh, form of prayer. So, Yeah, yeah you know, and our, our theme is holiness is not for wimps, so I'm going to put it out there, right? I yeah. don't know if we dare do this or not, but since you're talking about it, <laughs> You know, yoga, you know? know, so many people want to go do do yoga, but, but and, there's and a And exorcists talk about it over and over yeah. and over, how it, yeah. is, it is an opening. Yeah. Um, and studies have shown that people begin yoga for exercise. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, but they end up, usually end up staying for yeah. the spirituality. Yeah. And, um, and so it, it is a danger. We have yeah. to be very careful of that. Yeah. You and, know, uh, and, and, you know, we're probably going to get calls now because yeah. people are going <laughs> to argue with us. But. Well, and, you know, I know that I go to a gym where yoga is offered. And I went to a bar class I didn't realize. But she started calling out the, the, the moves, right? Yeah. And, and I realized she's incorporating yoga in here. And even though there's no meditation going on, you know, she's right. just calling out the as an exercise can I really right. do these moves that are meant to worship false gods? Yep. Can I do it even without the meditation? You know, so it's really something for our listeners to think about it and really, sure. you know, decide. You know, do you want to do that? Do you want to honor the true God, or do, or do you want to use these moves even Absolutely. in exercise? Find a different exercise, is my opinion. Yeah. Find Pilates or find you know find something you know that you know they have the right. the exercise the Catholic one right where yeah. you know it's on the internet. You know, it's hard for me to do it on my own. I got to be in a group. Or sure. you know, and committed, but 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 nonetheless, there are other options. So so really, Absolutely. truly, you know, we're going to put it out there because um, yeah. Saint Alphonsus Liguori, uh, one of the church's all-time great prayer masters, and he was a spiritual director. Believed that sin could not survive in the soul of a person who practiced mental prayer. So now we're going to get into the heart of mental prayer and how to do mental prayer. My, my parishioners know I, I constantly am talking about how we have to be in the scriptures. And, you know, when we go and read the, uh, the resurrection accounts, how many times in the resurrection accounts do we hear that Jesus is explaining the prophets and the law uh, according to him? Mm-hmm. And so we have to go into the Old Testament and read, and along with the New Testament, see how Jesus fulfills the Old Testament and see how the New Testament is hidden in the Old and is revealed in the New um, we have to go and do that, and, and this is a great way for us to enter into mental prayer. St. Alphonsus Liguori says, He will either give up meditation or renounce sin. Mm. And a strong aversion to committing offenses against God is just the beginning of the benefits that flow from even modest dedication to Christian meditation. So, it's, so to begin meditation, begin mental prayer, we have to find a space. Of course, the church is a great space. But not all of us can go to the church. So we need a, we need a place in our home where we can go in the morning um, or the place where our mind is the most awake. The reason I say morning, the saints 
almost every saint talks about doing it in the morning, doing mental prayer in the morning, because our mind is fresh usually, and we don't have the distraction of the entire day coming into our minds. We don't have a recent encounter with a person that is stressing us out. So that's why they always say the mornings. The morning, when our mind is clear, when we can give that to God. And so we need to find 5, 10, or 15 minutes to begin um, and work up to more uh, if we can. But finding and creating a space in our homes that is specifically only for prayer and so that we tell our kids about it, uh, tell our spouse about it. This is what we do here. This yeah. is what we pray. It doesn't have to be a whole room. It can just be a corner. Um, and maybe you can get creative and build something where you're, when, you, when you're not praying, it can be shut up and, and uh, kind of put to the side a little bit. But, but creating a space in your home that is central so that it's the constant reminder that God comes first in this home is an extremely important part of, of, of entering into mental prayer. So we begin, we set aside 5, 10, or 15 minutes. And uh, we never let anything else run into that time. We never let anything take that time. Now, of course, there's the reality of when we're sick, there's the reality of, oh, a kid woke up right in the middle of that time. Um, that's a temptation from the devil to pull us away from that. Yeah. Yes, we have to take care of the kid. Don't, don't get me wrong here. The yeah. kid needs to be fed or diaper changed or whatever. That's not, that's not what I'm saying to avoid your children. Um, the point of prayer is to have that time specifically for God to in, to fill you so that you may be in union with him. And so the, the next part I'm going to take from a guy by the name of Father, uh, Father Bartunic, Father John Bartunic, I believe mm-hmm. is his first name. Mm-hmm. And kind of the four steps, he says, concentrate, consider, converse, and commit. You will also hear this in association with Lexio Divina, divine reading, taking the scriptures and, and reading through the scriptures, praying through the scriptures. Scriptures is a great way to enter into mental prayer. Mm-hmm. And so part of mental prayer is having something that we can meditate upon, having something we can read that can um, draw, us into, draw us into prayer. Uh, when I was taught how to do this, uh, we had a book. Uh, we are encouraged to have a book. Maybe it's a maybe it's a, a book on virtue from a saint, or maybe it's a saint a saint's book on on prayer. Um, one of the things that I really like to go to is that little series called In Conversation with God. That is divided. Mm-hmm. I think there's seven little books, mm-hmm. and each day's meditation is divided into three. And it talks about the virtues, talks about the Blessed Virgin, talks about all these different Catholic things. Yeah. But a great way to prepare for prayer is actually to read it the night before before you go to bed. That way you've read it, you know what you're going to uh, be praying about in the morning and that you're preparing for the prayer. Mm. And that's an important part of prayer is actually preparing for prayer, especially yeah. mental prayer, yeah. being being ready for it. Yeah. And they say what you read, you know, right before sleep, that's, you know, that it kind yeah. of, you okay. know, goes into your, your brain somehow in a okay. different way. Yeah. I remember thinking that uh, I could put my textbook under my pillow and it would just osmosis into my mind so I wouldn't have to study. Yeah. That, it didn't work. <laughs> it, didn't it didn't work. work. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the first step is, is to concentrate. Yeah. Simply means focusing your attention on God, on his presence, on your relationship with him. You renew your faith, your love, your hope in him. You ask him for the particular grace you are seeking this time together with him. 
So literally asking him for a grace, literally recognizing his presence, just saying the prayer, Lord, I know that you are here. You're here in my heart. You are here in this place. I am calling you to mind in this place. Uh, Lord, I pray for the grace of perseverance. Or I pray for the grace mm. of love or hope, whatever, whatever it is that, that we know that we need to pray for. Mm. Pray for. You recall that he created you and is interested in you, not just interested, but delights in you. So much so that he sent his son to save you and establish the church to guide you to your eternal home. So this first step of your prayer means concentrating on your true center, your identity as a creature, a beloved child of God in need of his grace. Yeah. It's so important to know that our identity lies in God. I mean, in our world today, our identity, people are just like, I identify as this, I identify as that. Yeah. No, our identify is, we identify as a child of God yeah. and who God has created us to be. Yeah. Male so, and female. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. The second step then that Father John proposes is, uh, and the second step is consider. In the second step of your meditation, you take a passage from Scripture or from a spiritual book or the catechism, the writings of the saint, or even a sacred image or a beautiful natural landscape. And I think that's important um, because some people are more uh, uh, artfully minded. I am not, but I love looking at beautiful art. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but it is good also to know that even though it says a natural natural landscape, um, we do need to go to church. The outside is not our church, um, that Christ is present there. But he is also present in a beautiful landscape if we have to be on vacation or something like, like that, you know. So, okay, you work out with whatever kind of best material is best for you through experimentation and the guidance of a spiritual director. So you kind of figure out what works. You, you read it over, uh, the passage you're meditating on. You reflect on what it means what it tells you about God and his ways and his plans and what it means for you personally in your particular station, situation and state in life. In this stage, you ponder in your mind and heart some, some truth or aspect of God's revelation. You apply it to your life and make it your own. Sometimes asking questions can help, you, can help your consideration. What is the meaning of this passage? What are its key words? What is going on here? How would I express it in my own words? The third step then is converse. And here's the, the core of, of mental prayer. It's a heart-to-heart conversation with God about the passage you have been considering and the insights that the Holy Spirit has been giving you. This intimate personal exchange is what separates Christian meditation from other merely psychological exercises that don't move beyond concentra- concentration. Here is the mark of true prayer where you respond to the word of God with words of your own, expressing your admiration, your gratitude, your love, your confusion, your need, whatever the consideration stirred up in your soul. That's why it's called mental prayer. You also give him time and room to speak to you. He often chooses to do, to do this, not with words or even ideas, but by moving your will, by directly touching your heart. Try not to get hung up on, on hearing him explicitly every day. You should be able to look back over several days or weeks and recognize his action in your own prayer life. As you converse in the silent depths of your heart, you open yourself to God offering your life and inviting him once again to come and show you the way to a living communion with him. All the other steps of the meditation are directed to this step. So if you only need a brief moment of concentration, concentration and consideration in order to enter into heartfelt conversation with, with the one who loves you, don't dawdle on the steps one and two. Normally, however, we need to gather our attention in order to be able to hear and respond to the word of God. And steps one and two help us to do that. And finally, third, or fourthly, commit. Finish your prayer by letting it affect your life. Commit yourself to do something. 
many spiritual writers talk about making a resolution, resolve to do something. So do something concrete today as a result of the time you spent with our Lord. Whatever you think the Lord is asking of you or whatever you think would please him, whether it means making an extra visit to the chapel to spend more time with him or asking someone to forgive yesterday's temperamental outburst or visiting someone who is in the hospital or calling that person who needs a call, something concrete, measurable, real, something about which you can say at the end of the day, yes, I did that or no, I didn't. This ensures that our prayer life doesn't become a mere psychological sedative or an exercise of vanity. As you offer this commitment to the Lord, thank him for his presence and the graces he has given you during this time of prayer. Ask pardon for your distractions, especially if you have invited them in or gave in to them out of laziness or lack of faith. And finish by entrusting the fruits of your prayer to the Blessed Virgin Mary through reciting a Hail Mary. Then end with the sign of a sign of the cross and go forth to glorify God by fulfilling his will out of faith, hope, and love. Mm. I think those four steps given by Father John Bartunic are easy, yeah. they're memorable, and they're great a great way to enter into this kind of prayer that ultimately God is calling us to because it is calling us into, um, into intimate union with God yeah. and this intimate union with Christ. Yeah. I want to close with, close with this story yesterday at Mass. I always tell my kids uh, at, at our school, I said, if you don't get anything out of Sacred Heart School except this one thing, then I feel like we are we are a success. And so I asked the kids, I said, because I've, I've told them a million times, what is that one thing? And I see this kid over to my left. He's just like, ah. <laughs> and I asked him later, I said, why were you so frustrated? He said, because you're always telling us this. <laughs> <laughs> And so I said, what is that one thing? And they said, when we leave this school, to know that Jesus loves us. Uh, and I said, there's nothing more important than knowing that Jesus loves you and that you can always come back to him, yeah. um, no, matter, no matter where we are or what we do. And so that's the same thing with mental prayer. The most important thing in our life is to be able for us to know that God loves us, and not just in a, in a kind of a, this weird way outside of us. Oh, yeah, yeah, God loves us. God loves us all. No, to know personally that God loves me, we can know that and we can live in that when we enter into this kind of prayer. Mm. So that's why this prayer is so important. If we would all take time for this kind of prayer, imagine the transformation in our own lives yeah. um, that God would want for us and would do within us if we would give him this kind of time. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Love, love, love it. Such a, a a lot of good information. But right now we want to make sure that we get Father's uh, blessing to each of us here in the studio as well as out through the airwaves. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in Amen. peace. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. Heaven is unseen. But so are these airwaves. If you can support these airwaves and help save souls for heaven, go to dvmercy.com and click on Donate, where your donation will be seen and appreciated. You're listening to the network of stations of Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear His voice, pardon not your hearts.